our Hot Rod Bible Study. So tonight we're opening a new book tonight. We're going to be in the book of James tonight. Um, we're going to start taking some smaller sections of the book of James. Um, it is a mighty book. Um, it's right after Hebrews. Um, and so we'll talk a little bit about James. But what I'm going to do first, um, I'm going to pray and ask the Lord um, to be with us tonight. And so, Father God, we thank you once again, Father, for meeting us here as we open up a new book, Father. My prayer tonight, Father, that you would, um, as we open your word tonight, Father, that um, not only that would we learn um, from the teaching tonight, Father, but my prayer tonight, Father, that we would be um, transformed, Father, that we would um, look at life differently um, by the things we learn in your word in the book of James, Father. It is a mighty book, Father, and so, Lord, we ask that you would do a work, um, that you soften our hearts, Lord, to hear from you. Um, each and every one of these studies as we go through the book of James. We love you, Lord, and we pray all of these things tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So here I'll read the first 11 verses. Uh, I kind of made it short. And so here we go. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to him liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave, of the sea driven and tossed by the wind for not that men supposed that he would receive anything from the Lord he is a double-minded man unstable in all his ways let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation but the rich in his humiliation because as a flower of the field he will pass away for no sooner has the Sun risen with a burning heat then it withers the grass, its flowers falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. And so we're uh, taking a small chunk of uh, James tonight. Um, I always like to do an introduction. It always reminds me, and this is the area that um, I try to, I've been cutting down my, uh, my introductions for the books, especially James, but it, it is a mighty book, the book of James. And so I'll start off here, and one of the things uh, really briefly is we, we ask who the author is. I always like to give the who, what, where, and why um, who, where, as we get into a new book. It always reminds me of a movie. If you ever go to the movies and you kind of miss like the first 30 minutes, you come back and then you're telling your wife like, who's this and who's that? And you don't know what's going on. And then your wife is like, shh, shh. Everybody's like, be quiet, right? And so we want to give everybody kind of a little bit of the background of what's going on here in the book of James. And so there was four men in the New Testament, their name were James, um, and the one that we're probably most familiar is the number one, remember there was James and John, and they were called in the Bible, they were called the sons of Zebedee. Um, Jesus, um, I love the way he nicknamed them the sons of thunder, um, and the reason why is that sometimes when people would come upon him, he always, they always wanted to call down fire and brimstone, and they always wanted to call down um, you know, punishment upon people, but the Lord would always... And so he called them the sons of thunder. But this is the James uh, that was in the Bible. And he is one of the uh, apostles that they were talking about in the Bible. But the interesting part about him 
um, that he cannot be the author of this book. And the reason is that, that he was martyred um, for his faith, and he was martyred by Herod uh, in 44 AD. And so we see that he was martyred for his faith, and so this uh, James was, it was no longer with them. Um, they believe that the book of James was written between the years 45 and 48. Uh, most uh, Bible commentators agree on those that time. Um, and if you don't know, this is probably, um, they believe that this is one of the first books written of the New Testament. And so it's one of the earliest books written, the first ones written of the New Testament. And so it's very powerful that we see that. Uh, the next James is uh, James, the son of Alphaeus. And he's named there, and oftentimes he is referred to as James the Lesser. Um, and so he is another James, but they don't believe. There's not too much is known uh, about him beyond this, and so they don't believe it is him. Um, that, is an, uh, that, that he actually had anything to do with the book of James. The next James that is in there, um, it is the father of Judas. And it says that not of Judas Iscariot. And it's, it's interesting in the Bible that everybody wants to make sure that don't get Judas mixed up. We don't have anything to do with Judas Iscariot. And we all know why. And so this is the reason why they want to make sure. And so beyond that, the, really the Bible doesn't say too much about him. But the next James that we hear about, this is the brother of Jesus Christ. Um, and he is mentioned, and it's interesting to me because I grew up in a church um, believing that Mary never had any other children besides Jesus. And this is what we were taught as we were children. Um, but when you open up the Word of God, it's interesting the way the Word <coughs> of God speaks because it talks about his brothers. Um, and actually he had sisters. And this comes from Matthew 13, 55 and 56. Um, and it says, um, it, his, his, uh, isn't this... Um, they are referring to Mary, and it says, doesn't this the, the woman Mary who has the son James, who he's mentioned there, Joseph, um, Simon, and, um, and we'll see uh, uh, Judas is actually one of the other brothers. And what's interesting about this is when we get into the book of Jude, um, we'll see at the beginning, at the opening, it'll say that uh, Jude will actually say, a bondservant of Christ and brother of James. And so he refers back to James. We're going to see that as we go through the book. And so the, one of the things that's so interesting about it is this James, um, the brother of Jesus Christ, and by all important detail I want to leave out, and I never want to leave this out, that we know that this James, even though that he is the brother of Jesus, that he is the half-brother, right? We know that he is the half-brother because it was between Mary and the Holy Spirit, right, that he came, and this is where Jesus came through, and all the rest of them came from Joseph and Mary, Joseph and Mary. And so we see that in all the other children that they came. So this is his half-brother. And, and you can imagine growing up, I don't know if any of you had any older brothers. I had a younger brother. And I love the way that Pastor Ed always mentions this, that younger brothers, I thought the Lord gave it to us for torturing. And, and younger brothers were always, I love, you know, we always kind of, we, every time we wanted to try a new wrestling move, we always, our brothers were always good to try our new wrestling moves on, right? And so this is the things that we tried but one of the things that's interesting about James that when Jesus was on the earth and he um, was uh, had his earthly ministry, um, James did not believe um, in the ministry of Jesus. He did not believe that he was the Messiah. Um, and that comes from uh, John 7, 5, if somebody's taking notes. And so what happens, what made James turn from his unbelief to belief? And one of the things is that it says here in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, that Jesus, in his resurrected body, after he appeared to the 500 people, that he appeared to James personally. And James was changed. That was a game changer for James. He came to know that his brother, all along, that he didn't see it, that he is the Messiah. That he is the risen king. And he came to know that his own brother, his half-brother, was the Messiah, was Jesus Christ. And so we see that, that he came to know it. <clears throat> 
And so it's so interesting that we see, and James, after from that point on, he became the leader of the church. In um, Galatians 2.9, um, Paul refers to him as the pillar, um, refers to him as a pillar. And so we remember in Acts 15, I don't want to give you too much detail, but in Acts 15, he was the one that was in charge in leading the church at this time. And so he is a mighty man of God, and he has come um, to... Um, know Jesus as his uh, Lord and Savior. And so we see that. And so one of the things that I wanted to share with you that um, the way that and this comes from actually Jewish tradition, how James was actually martyred. And they say he was martyred and was in 62 AD. And this comes from a different, a bunch of different historians, Josephus, um, some other historians that come along with this story. But in 62 AD, they believe he was thrown off the temple onto the ground. Um, he didn't die from the fall, but they believe that, that men clubbed him to death and what's interesting about this is that they do record that he said something very similar what to his brother said he said forgive them for they know not what they do as they were clubbing him to death and they martyred him there and we see james was uh, no longer uh, alive and he was martyred for his faith there in 62 um, we see that a lot of the persecution was happening there um, one of the other things that's interesting about uh, james that they do believe that he was married um, this comes from 1 Corinthians 9, 5. Uh, one of the last things that I want to leave an impression with you with James, and I think that this is something, a trait that each and every one of us should have. Um, James was a man of prayer. Um, and he had something physically on him that you could tell he was a man of prayer. They say that his knees were like the knees of camels because he was constantly on his knees. And he had knees that were calloused because he was constantly spending hours on his knees praying to his Lord once he came to know that Jesus Christ. Can you imagine when you come to the realization that the, the brother that you grew up with is the Messiah, is the risen King? Can you imagine what that would be like? And so this letter um, is very similar to the letter of Proverbs. It has, um, it has a lot of similarities. What's interesting about it is that Martin Luther, I know that, and the reason why I'm bringing this up, because Willie always loves to bring up things about Martin Luther. Uh, Martin Luther um, actually kind of didn't care too much for the book of James. And the reason why I think that we see that, because that we remember that Martin Luther came to realize or came to understand that it is not by works that we are saved. And, and you will see that in the book of James, it talks a lot about works. It says, you know, works without faith is dead. And well, there's a lot of different things as we get ahead in James. Um, but we'll see that. And what is, that's one of the things that, that we see that James, uh, Martin Luther kind of shied away from the book of James. But we see that this, um, this works that they talk about here in the book of James has nothing to do unto our salvation. It has nothing to do with our salvation. It has nothing to do with that. And so that's a, another thing that's a little interesting about this. Um, I already told you that it's written 45, 48 AD. One of the last things that I will leave with you, um, that it is written as a, a spiritual a maturity. Um, it's saying that they wrote this book, James wrote this, that Christians would be mature in the faith. And we remember that as we went through Hebrews 5, that we remember that they talked about no longer that should we be Christians who are drinking milk, that we should be Christians who are partaking of solid food and the truth of, of the word of God. Uh, one of the last things I'll leave with you, it's only five chapters in um, the book of James, 108 verses. Um, but in those 108 verses, there is 54 imperatives or commands. And we're going to break those down and we're going to start to see. And so I'd like to take my time in the book of James as we get through it. And so I feel that it's, and it's a very practical letter. It is something that we can use and we can take each and every one of us and we can use it. And so uh, we'll jump in and we'll, we'll start here in verse 1 and we'll see what the Lord has for us. So it says, James... 
a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. The first thing that, I, uh, that really jumps out at me here is we see that James um, writes about himself and he says, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know about any of you in the room, but if Jesus Christ, if I had come to know that Jesus Christ was my brother, that would have probably been the first thing that I would have wrote in the letter. I would have pinned in the letter, like, yeah, this is me, James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. You know, I just want to make sure that everybody kind of knew that who I was. And so it's just so interesting that humbly we see James here, that he came to write this letter, and he did not put that down. But one of the things that were interesting part about it, this bondservant, um, and we've all talked about this. I've mentioned this before, and for some of you that haven't heard this, we know a bond servant, they would consider that if somebody owed a debt to somebody, they would have a servant to pay off that debt. This person would become a servant in your house. And if that servant became in your house, after seven years or, or be, after their debt was paid, they were allowed to go free. And sometimes these uh, people, their masters were so good to them, they gave them living quarters and everything, they said that they wanted to stay there and they wanted to stay the rest of their lives with them. And so they became what is called a doulos. And that would be, they would take them, and, and they would take that all, they would heat an all, and they would put it in their ear against the doorpost. And that would be a sign that no matter where they went, that they were actually a doulos, and they, that their owner was so good to them, that they loved their owner so much, that for life, that they'd give their life to their owner. And this is interesting, because this, us as Christians, this is what we're called to be doulos of Jesus Christ, to give our lives for Christ, right? We don't need to mark ourselves up, but it is by our action, it is by the love for one another that we are to be known in the world. And so it's just so interesting that we see that he introduces himself there. Uh, one of the things I also wanted to point out, did you, you notice that James puts God and the Lord Jesus Christ on the same level. And, and I always want to point that out because there's many religions that actually say the Bible never said that Jesus Christ is God. And, and right here, very clearly, we see that God and the Lord Jesus Christ is on the same level. He is not putting him, it's like, oh yeah, I'm not, he's not putting one above the other or underneath. He's saying that he is the bondservant of them both. And so we see that they both are God. And so it says to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad, um, the tribes, um, in this letter, uh, what I left out of the introduction, I know it was lengthy, but what I left out is, it's very similar to the word of, of the book of Hebrews, that the letter is written to um, Christian um, are Jewish uh, Christians who have actually um, took it on Christ uh, Christianity. And so this is who the letter is written to. And when it talks to them that they're scattered abroad, this is called the diaspora. And, and the Jewish people were, were uh, dispersed all over the known world at that time. They were dispersed. And so this letter, he is writing to them. And so as us as Christians, this letter is to us. And this letter should uh, speak loudly into us. Um, one of the things that, that I think that's so interesting as we see that they were scattered above, they were scattered all over the place, um, that, that we see that as they were scattered, um, they, would, they would still continue to know Christ. And I, I was telling you a little bit about this, that I, it's interesting that as I was talking to you gentlemen before we started the study tonight, that um, I would have to go and I still have to go and get COVID tested every time. Um, every week I get t tested for COVID every week as part of my, uh, you know, employment now that I have to get tested. But one of the things that's interesting, it reminds me of Paul. And this is the reason why I'm bringing this up, because actually it was I, I go to a, a clinic and in that clinic, there's a group of people that I work with. And normally I don't see these people on a normal basis only because the Lord has put us together because we're all getting the COVID test. And, you know, our, my appointment's at 11.15, there's 11.30, some people are at 11. And so it's pretty normal, th this uh, appointment time. And so I'm getting to know people in the company that I normally wouldn't see. 
But what's interesting about that is just like Paul, we should look for these things not as, oh, oh, I have to go do my COVID test. We should look for those things as opportunities to share the love of Christ with people. Um, so anyway, this, this nurse was there, and she was telling me a little bit about her life, and I had a chance to just witness, not very much to her, but uh, she said, you know what, I love the way that you speak about the Lord. I love the way that you mention him. And, and to me, really, I didn't really, I didn't even really think I was telling her anything about the Lord. But today, I actually saw her in one of the clinics here in Redlands. I was working, and she came up to me, and she said, Mike, you won't believe what happened this weekend. I said, what? She said, I had been telling my husband for a long time um, that I want to go to church. And he said, he woke up on Saturday, and he said, we should go to church tomorrow. And she said, we went to church to, uh, on, on Saturday, and he said he broke down crying at church. And I told her, you know, it's interesting that she admitted that, that his, he said that he was brought up as a man, that he needed to suck it up. And so all the things that have gone on in their lives, that oftentimes as us as men, we oftentimes we think we just need to. But when he came, and he came to church, and he came to feel the love of Christ, and he came <coughs> to see that God was, was, there, help, was there to help him in all the situations that he goes through, he's just... He was just in awe. And so, like I said, though, anytime that we have to go through things, even though sometimes they seem burdensome at times, we should always look to them to be opportunities to share the love of Christ with others. And so it's just so powerful. And so here we get to uh, uh, verse 2, and it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And this is one of those verses, um, you know, I, I shared this with you many a times, and I, I don't want to get too lengthy. But in 2018, I told you that I was fired from a job that I had worked at for 20 years. Uh, and, you know, what the, one of the things that's so interesting about that is that um, if you would have told me uh, the day before, um, the day before I, uh, they fired me, and after you would have asked me, do you think you're going to be here the rest of your life? I would have said, yes, I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. I'm never going to leave because this is who I am, right? This, this job was, all, this was who I was. And so I would have told you I would have been there forever. But what's interesting about that is that when that day that they marched me in there and they told me we no longer and they they, they, they fired me that day and they let me go. And it was so interesting about about it is that I couldn't believe that it was truly happening. It was it was so surreal. At that time it was so surreal. They were telling me and, and I I felt like I was walking alongside myself saying, This is not really happening, this is a dream. This is a dream, but it was really happening. But I, I wanted to share with you tonight that God was doing a work in that. What was so interesting that this was a Friday. Um, I have a Bible study on Friday. And what's interesting is that the Bible study, I usually would get off of work around 6 o'clock. But this particular night, I didn't get off of work until 6.30 because they were having me doing all this paperwork for, for letting me go. They wanted me to sign here and cross all my T's and dot all my I's. After 20 years, they were throwing me out of the door. But anyway, as, as they were throwing me out... Um, they, they, I was doing all this paperwork, took an extra half hour, so I didn't get home till 6.30, and I came home and I was broken. I was broken. I didn't know that, I didn't know exactly what had just happened. I didn't, I didn't know what was happening, and so I was broken. So when I read this and it said, count it all joy, I'm here to tell you, man, when, when this happened to me, there was no joy in it. But, but I want you to see something in this as, as this was happening to me, there was no joy in it. But interestingly enough, that, that, that night, as I came home, I got there at 6.30, my Bible study starts at 7, so I ran upstairs, got changed, went over my notes a little bit briefly and then I went back down and taught the Bible study and everybody thought it was just another day and everybody and I was after the Bible study I was looking around and I was thinking nobody knows nobody knows what's going on I was just broken I was broken uh, another interesting thing that the way the Lord would have it too is that the very next day Saturday morning would be the MCCA going to Mexico and so the very next day I got up in the morning and I drove down to Mexico and I interacted with everybody and everybody just looked at me like and they, to them everything was the same but inside, I was broken. I was broken. I, I, I didn't know how to interact. I didn't know how to interact. When I finally had an opportunity that night on the dinner table, and everybody sat down, 
And it's interesting, <laughs> you're going to love this, that um, I called all my family together on Saturday night after we came back from Mexico. And one of my daughters, who is always in trouble, as I said, hey, I want to talk to you guys on the table. She said, I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was in trouble. This is what she said. I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was in trouble. I knew it. And so as we gathered the family together, I assured her that it had nothing to do with her this time. Um, but I actually told the family that this is, this is what happened. And what's interesting about that, that the Lord was actually in all of that, because as I look back now, three years later, and I look back, and you know, the Lord, and, and I know many of us, we look at jobs and we think, oh, it's just a place of employment. But to us as men, it's much more than a place of employment. It becomes our life. It becomes who we are. Anytime that we, eat, we meet someone, they always say to them, oh, hi, your name is Mike. What do you do? Right? What do you do? That's, that's what everybody wants to know. What do you do? It becomes who we are. And so I, I just wanted to share that with you because when I, I did tell my family, one of the things that was so interesting, they, they, they were, they, they, they were, I'm sure that they were devastated, but they didn't show it. But through that, um, the Lord started opening up doors uh, for things that actually changed in my life because the job that I had before that I worked for 20 years, I would have never been able to come and have the time to study and to come here and to teach the word, God's word, um, not only in the Bible study that I was teaching, but also here um, coming. And so we can see that looking back, the Lord was always, he, he, it was all for good. And so, as I said, they counted all joy. At the time, there was no joy in it. But I can look back now and I can say, Lord, thank you. Because like, life has changed. And so, I think that many of us just go through trials. And many of you guys, I don't think you realize this, that you guys encourage me. Uh, that you guys, I see many of you that you guys go through cancer and you guys go through illnesses and you guys go through things. But you guys, that Lord gives you that peace in your heart. You guys continue to go on, and you continue. Life continues to go on, and so one of the things that I think that we should always be reminded of um, are those things in life. That we, it's not that, that Paul or James is saying here that we should just count it all joy and be happy. Oh yeah, you know what? I lost my job today. I should just be happy. No, no, I should be happy that the Lord is going to do a work. His, he is going to bring maturity, spiritual maturity, out of us through the storm, and so we should be thankful for that. And so here in uh, um, verse three, it says, "Knowing that the testing of your faith." produces patience. And so one of the things that oftentimes I thought that the testing of our faith, I oftentimes thought in my heart that I oftentimes thought it was a way that the Lord was testing us to see how much faith he has. But we know that the Lord God knows how much faith we have. And the reason why he tests us so that we will know how much faith we have. So we will know. And I, I know that in those trials in our lives that oftentimes we don't see, we, don't, we didn't know at the beginning of that storm that we had that much faith. But the Lord, this is the reason why he was revealing it to us. He wanted us to know because he's preparing us for the bigger storm, for the bigger things that he has for us to do in life. And I think it's so important. And one of the things uh, that I always reminded, and you guys, and Willie did such a good job as we went through the book of Job. One of the things that I wanted to share with you tonight in the book of Job is that we remember that when Job, as he, um, the, the, uh, the Lord God was speaking, and he said, have you, he told Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Right? Have you considered my servant Job? And, and the term, the actual, the term in the actual, in the original text, when it said considered, it was like a military term that he would look over an army and try to look for weakness in that army that he was able to, to, to take it over. And so he said, have you considered my servant Job? And, and remember what Satan said. He said, he said well, does, does, does Job serve, serve you for nothing? He said, you have put a hedge around him. You've given everything. He said, take away what he has and he will curse you to your face. And so remember the Lord allows him permission. And this is the thing that we need to remember, that the Lord allowed him permission, right? He allowed him. And so he said, go ahead, but do not do anything to him. And so he took away all those things to Job. And one day he lost his children. He lost his wealth. He lost, his, he lost everything. 
And one of the things at the end of that first verse, he said, naked I came, and naked I will, I will go. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. And he never cursed the Lord, right? And so we see that once again, that the Lord once again told him again, we went up back up and he told Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He was faithful in this. And he said, oh yes, he was faithful because you put that hedge of protection around him in his health. You say, he attacked his health and he will curse you to your face. And he said, okay, he said, I'm going to allow you permission, but just don't, just don't kill him. I mean, we all remember the story, and there's a reason why I'm bringing this story up. I think it's so powerful that we see that, that when he did, and he allowed him, remember that those huge boils that Job, that Job had on him, and they remember that he got pieces of pottery, and he was scrape, trying to scrape these boils off of him, and he was just in torment, and you can imagine the stench that was coming off of these boils that he had, and the thing was just horrible, and remember that his wife came, and she said, why don't you curse God and die? One of the things I'm bringing all of this up that I think that we seem to look over those passages and we think that we know them, but we see something in it. Uh, one of the brothers that comes to the study, um, uh, Jimmy, was actually, we were, we were studying this, and I thought it was interesting that he, thought, that he came through this, that Job's wife, you see that at the beginning he said, remember we could take everything I own, so he took all of his children and he took all of his wealth. But one of the things that I think that we, we seem to misunderstand is that Satan knows the word of God. Because in Genesis 2.24, it says that a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. And so when he gave him permission to take everything he had, he never touched his wife because Satan knew that his wife was one with him. right? And so he didn't take his wife. And so we see that later on. Satan knew this all along. And so when he took everything from him, and he took away his children, and he took away his wealth, and he took away his health, that we see that he still didn't curse God. He, he told his wife, should we take goodness from God and not adversity? Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so we see that. And we remember the story that his friends were always accusing him. You must have some sin in your life, right? You must have some sin in your life. And God blessed him in the end. God blessed him in the end. And so here in uh, verse 4, it says, But let patience have its perfect work, um, that, it, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. One of the, also the, another things that we see, uh, Warren Wisby, one of the um, commentators that I read, that he had a secretary who said it was very sick, and shortly after that, her husband had a stroke. And she said all of these things were going on, and Warren Wisby, the commentator, he's actually a pastor, he, he was trying to help her out as much as he could, um, but he was interested, he, he was actually encouraged by her, and she was only his secretary because she said, no, I want you to pray for me. And he said, I am praying for you. And she says, no, 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 I want you to pray this. Don't let this, um, this storm um, go um, without me learning anything. Help me to learn whatever the Lord is trying to teach me in this. And, and I think that's something for us that oftentimes when we go through things, I don't know about you guys, you guys might be a little bit tougher than me, but any time that I go through a storm, I'm saying, Lord, get me out of here. Lord, get me out of here. Get me out of here. But we are to tell the Lord, Lord, teach us what it is that you're trying to show us through this. Strengthening us. And he's strengthening us. And this is what he's trying to do. So here in verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives um, to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. This wisdom that we're asking for here is the wisdom um, that when trials come upon us in our lives. Um, this is the wisdom. And this is the wisdom that I talked about. Um, that we and, and I know that you guys see me up here sitting and you guys think that everything is just hunky-dory But I want to tell you tonight that when I got let go from a job for 20 working 20 years 
my, my thoughts weren't pure as the, the, the next day that I came out. I had a lot of evil thoughts. But this, what happens here in the, in the Word of God is actually what is interesting because they said ask for wisdom. And that's what wisdom is. They say, no, no, any of those thoughts that you have, they don't come from me. They come from the enemy. And those things only, he wants to harm you. I want to love you. And so this is where wisdom comes in. And I think when, this is a time that when things come on, storms come on our life, we are to seek God in wisdom, seek his wisdom. And I, know, I don't know about you guys, but there's often times that I can't see. I'm saying, Lord, how can good come out of this? All this terrible stuff has happened. How can good come out of this? Right? But we remember what uh, Romans 8.28 says, that all things work together to good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Right? All things and so I think the enemy always wants us to short circumvent it, right? He always wants us to say, no, no, you want the satisfaction now that you got back on these people that did something to you. He said, no, no. And remember what the Bible says very clearly. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, right? And we're not wishing vengeance on our enemy. Our, our prayer for our enemy should be that, Lord, help them to come to know you, Lord. Help them to come to know you, to come to know your goodness and your love. And so these are the things that we should have. Um, here in verse 6 it says, but let him ask in faith and without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave uh, of sea driven and tossed by the wind. And so we are called to be sure-footed. Um, and I love the way he uses those expressions here of a wave and, and a sea driven and tossed by the wind. Here in verse 7 it says, um, For let not um, that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man and unstable in his ways. Being double-minded, there's often times that are Christians who are double-minded. Um, they have one foot in the world and one foot in the things of God. Um, this is one of the things that we are called. And we remember uh, what the Word of God says in Matthew 6, 24. It says, no one can serve two masters. He'll either love one and hate the other. And so we cannot love two masters. Um, it's interesting that you guys have come from an era, as I have, in 1962, uh, a lady ma named Mary Wells uh, wrote a song called Two Lovers. Um, and what's interesting about the song, it describes the two different people in the song, and the lyrics go along. And it's interesting, as she calls them two lovers, she said, one is sweet and kind, right? One is sweet and kind. And the other one, it treats me bad and makes me sad. But interesting, at the end of the song, you come to find out that the, that the two persons is actually the same person, but he just treats people differently. And this is what uh, the thing that God has called us not to be, we are to be to our wives how we are in, in the church. As we come to church on Sunday and we treat our wives with sweetness and we open the door and everybody thinks, wow, so-and-so might be such a good man to his wife. That's the way that I'm supposed to be all the time. And, and this is like, you still go through the study. This is speaking to me too because, you know, there was a time in my life, and I, I don't know about you guys, that it is a sign of maturity is how we treat our wives. It is a sign of maturity, spiritual maturity. Because there was a time in my life that I didn't use the best language in the world speaking to my wife. And, and as I look back upon that, is that I really, I really uh, frown on that in my life because how can me as a man try to uh, downgrade or try to put my wife down by using vulgar language? And it's, it's interesting that, that I think about this, that, that oftentimes as us as men, um, we oftentimes, that, we, we, that kind of language that we speak, um, that it is actually, it is a, it's a sign of, of our, uh, our maturity, not only our maturity, but our vocabulary, that we, we don't have other words to express ourselves. We just go along with the world, and we see that the way they express themselves. And we remember, as us as Christians, we are called to be different than the world. Different. 
And so we, we, a sign of maturity is to be um, the way that we treat our wives. We should treat them with love and kindness. Um, and not just um, on Sundays. We should treat them with love and kindness every single day. Um, and this is a, a sign of who uh, we, they are and so who we are. And so in verse 9 it says, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. One of the things here I love is that um, in this particular verse, Greg Glory wrote that you'll never see um, uh, you'll never see a U-Haul being pulled behind a hearse. And so we know that there is nothing that even if a rich man or if we're rich or poor, there's nothing that we can take with us. Uh, and in a couple of weeks ago, I shared this with you. The reality is the only thing that we can take with us into heaven is each other, was each other, our heart. Our friends, family and friends, our loved ones, are, 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 and so we should encourage one another to tell people of Jesus Christ. That way they can come to know our Savior and our Lord. So here in verse 11 it says, For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flowers falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. And so we see this here that the rich man, he is not to put his trust um, he's not to put his trust in his riches. Um, but oftentimes, it, riches will just are fleeting, like they're like chasing the wind, right? And, and the interesting thing about rich people is they cannot take it with them. And, and I know that many of us, we look in this room and we say, oh, when you're talking about rich people, we're not talking about me, right? You're not talking about me because many of us consider ourselves not very wealthy. But each and every one of us, we live better than the kings that they talk about here in the Bible. Every single person here lives lives better than the kings that are here in the Bible. And so when it talks about wealth, we need to be reminded that we cannot take anything with us, but we should um, always share the love of Christ with others. And, and always. Um, and one of the things here as we go through trials, as we, you know, the, 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 the main theme of this particular um, chapter here is, is trials that we go through. Uh, one of the things that we should always be reminded that the Lord is doing a work in those trials. And even though we don't see that work, um, we should always be confident that the Lord, and this is where the joy comes from, that the Lord is doing a work in that trial. We don't see it at the time. And, and, and you know what? A lot of those trials, I think we won't even see it this side of heaven. Some of the trials we might not see it until the other side. We'll look up there and we'll say, oh, Lord, now I know what you were doing all along. All along. Amen? Amen. So we're going to have one tonight, right? Don, uh, Father God, we thank you, Lord, um, for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for your word. Um, we thank you for um, the opening of James, Father. Um, and Lord, we ask as we study through James um, that we continue um, to look to you to speak into our lives, Father. Um, help us um, to be changed by this book, Father. Help us um, to take your word. Um, your word is what changes us, Father. Help us to see that. Um, Lord, we ask that um, as we go into a new week, Father, we, we ask, Lord, that we would be your ambassadors, um, that we would share the love of Christ with each and every person we come in contact with, Lord. Amen. We love you, Father, and we pray all of these things tonight, Father, and we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Lord, bless you.